0: What's up everybody? Welcome to draft chaff. This is episode number 117. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts and joining me as per usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? It's going pretty well. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still laughing
0: at these stupid
1: robo Rosewaters that we were talking about like 30 seconds before we started recording. This is a side off topic. Let's, let's just get going. We have Dominary United to talk about today. This set is awesome. I said before the show to Zach, this is an all timer. Um, I don't think either of us have had a boring or not fun draft experience yet. And we've done a bunch of them. So uh, let's start talking about it.
0: Yeah, before we do, of course, the usual housekeeping. If you're not already in the Discord, check that out. It has been popping off lately, to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm really excited to see everybody having fun with Dominaria and just kind of getting in there and and sharing their drafts, sharing their picks. It's been, it's been a really fun time just kind of on the sidelines, even watching everybody interact about the set. So check that out. If you're not already in the Discord, the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Huge thanks to all our patrons who continue to support us every week. You guys are the best. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, pre-show banter from Ben and I, and on, uh, our Draft Chaff Hero cards signed by us and sent to you. And again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff Pod. All right, onto our Cracker Draft type thing. Ben, we've got some DMU to work through, so what do you got? All right, classic
1: pack one, pick one for our Cracker Draft today. Out First, we've got Idyllic Beachfront. That's the blue-white tap land. It's good, you know? Uh, I like having this. I guess uh, obviously you want to specifically blue white the the two color decks those that do exist they're very happy to pick up you know one or two of their their on theme tap lands plus if they do then that makes them a little more able to maybe play uh, a couple mountains or a couple off colored cards for example blue white often splashes red for a few key kicker cards I mean I'm not taking it first pick unless the pack is just really really bad but I'm happy taking a land in the first like five picks
0: yeah I haven't found a pack that is like first pick dual land for me but yeah early on in the draft it's okay to pick up a couple of them
1: next up yavi maya sojourner better card than i thought this is the green cost reduction one um it gets uh, one less for each basic land type that you control i mean i've cast this as a three mana four six it's it's (laughs) it's surprisingly easy haven't done it on turn three yet that's going to be an achievement uh but i've cast it on turn four as a four mana four six a bunch of times and that's pretty good too
0: yeah, it's a surprisingly good card. I think that says a lot about the format, uh, but 4-6 is a stat line that's really difficult to deal with in this format Yeah, outside of just like Doomblade. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a solid card. I don't know that it's first pickable for me, but it's it's a good one.
1: Yeah, definitely not. Uh, here's another one that you're not first picking, and maybe not even ever picking. Vanquisher's Axe, one mana for an equipment. A creature gets plus 2, plus 0 with equip 2. Just not really the format for this. No. Talarian Terror is up next. This card... This card's great. <laughs> this is the blue cost reduction one. It's a 5-5 five, five with Ward 2, uh, and it usually costs uh, 7, but if you're actually playing a deck built around this vector, it's probably costing you like 3-4, to four, maybe even 1, depending on the, the, the time in the game.
0: Yeah, really good. Again, just like the Sojourner, not looking to first pick it, but every deck that is going to play spells wants a copy of this.
1: For the record, I think the blue is the best one, the, the the terror. I think the black one is probably next, followed by red and white are pretty close. I'm not sure. And I think green is creeping up to them. I think it's still a little below. Uh, maybe green's better than the white one. I don't know. This format is still, uh, it's still evolving, right? Next up is Shore Up. One blue for an instant. Target creature gets plus one, plus one. Gains tax proof. Untap it. And yes, I have gotten got by Untap It. I know we talked about on the podcast how uh, we're not going to get got by this. I've gotten got by this.
0: No, I explicitly said I will get got by this card. (laughs) And I have.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The thing is, it also adds power. So there was a game where um, my opponent had the, the, what is it, figment of imagination or whatever that little blue thing is, the two mana two one vigilance. And it gets unblockable if they have an instant or sorcery. And I'm at three. And my opponent is empty handed and I have I'm presenting like lethal next turn, like by far. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think the only card that can get them out of this one alive is if they top deck shore up because it's like a combat trick. It, it's a pump spell in blue uh, and it would let them get in for three instead of two unblockable. So like if it, if they get like impulse or something like it doesn't do it. Um, and of course, they top deck shore up and they just kill me on the spot. <laughs> uh, that felt pretty bad. So, Yeah.
0: Not taking it here, though.
1: Next up, Scout the Wilderness, two in a green. as uh, a sorcery. It is kicker one in the white. Search your library for a basic land card, put on the battlefield, tapped, and then shuffle. If it was kicked, make two 1-1 white soldiers. So this is a little bit of a strange card. The, the green-white vector, yeah, it sometimes wants to do domain stuff. I found it's a little more effective if you just lean into the go-wide. This does that, too. So what you have here is a card that's kind of split between two vectors. I find that it's better in the domain deck. Um, I don't know, it just kind of shores up your your ground a little bit. Sometimes in the domain deck though, you just use this like a three-mana ramp spell. Um, and I don't necessarily think three-mana ramp is what the domain deck wants to do all the time. Plus there's other ways to ramp at three. There's the Uncommon Saga. Um, there's the deathbloom Gardener, um, which is like a more sizable body than, I think I'd rather have a one-one death touch than two one-ones, so. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this card I'm still trying to find a home for, but it does two things okay so i'm keeping an eye on it but i haven't played this card recently
0: i've had it played against me in a couple of scenarios where i thought wow that was really good mm-hmm. and, like for my opponent and um i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there it seems like there's this go wide domain deck that actually really lo- loves this card because it does both things at the same time it only does them kind of okay but it hits both st- the the, the go wide domain deck is kind of a weird one because it has almost a split vector where like mm-hmm. It is trying to ramp up, but it's also trying to develop a board presence at the same time, and it's kind of hard to do both. And this card does that. Um, so I, I have seen it be good. I don't know that it's a high pick, even in the decks that won it, and uh, definitely not looking to first pick it.
1: Next up is Gibbering Barricade, two in a black, two four defender nightmare wall. It has two in a black sack a creature, you gain a life and draw a card. Speaking of things to do with all those tokens that you're making. Uh, the black-white deck has a few payoffs for draining or just, you know, getting stuff back from your graveyard. It kind of falls into the Abzon colors, too, thanks to Urborg Reclamation, uh, which is better if you can kick it. The barricade I found to be pretty effective. It's a natural pairing with wing Mantle Chaplain. But then again, everything with Defender is a nice pairing. If you're looking for things to do with all those birds, I wound up in a scenario where I had an LSL core out in the battlefield and a gibbering barricade, and I'd made a bunch of birds. My opponent was trying to beat me down with a, uh, with a Maro. It was like a 10-10. And I would just put a bird in front of it, sack, draw a card, drain them out. And I won the game that way.
0: Yeah, these utility defenders are really, really cool. I I love the way that these work. Um, Barricade's also not one that I want to first pick. And it does have some awkward scenarios where, like, if you don't have any creatures to sack, it's kind of bad. And you need Mm. creatures you want to sack to this. You can do what you were explaining there, where you, like, throw them in front of things to save yourself some life and sack them to gain extra value off the creature anyway, but uh, you still would prefer to have some things like tokens that you can sack to to get real value out of this instead of sacking actual creatures. So um, some little nuance to the card, but I do I do quite like it.
1: Mm-hmm. So far, I think I'm on the Tolarian Terror. Agreed. Next up, Furious Bellow. One in a red, instant. Target creature gets plus three, plus oh, and gains first strike until end of turn and scry one. So this is one of the many, many, many ways there are to break through these pesky wall decks. And... I, I, I would have felt it by this point if the aggressive decks couldn't get through the walls. You know, um, there are plenty of playable combat tricks. This is a strictly better Sure Strike. And Sure Strike is a, a card that pretty much every limited red deck is happy playing at least one copy of. Um, just because of what red vectors tend to do. You tend to turn your creature sideways. Um, interestingly, the scry kind of implies that the game keeps going after you cast this. So I think that's kind of a hint as to how to use it. You know, maybe you use this on turn four so that your two drop eats the gibbering barricade, and then you play another two drop, right? Um, to mm-hmm. you know, use your mana to maximum efficiency, and then you scry, set up your next turn. Uh, the aggressive decks they can go further into the late game. They can brawl, especially thanks to kicker. Um, I don't know. I, I, I found this card solid, but again, not taking it over the, the, the terror.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't want to first pick this uh, if you don't end up at a deck that like there are, there are only a few decks that can use it. Luckily in this format, blue red is a deck that like actually would want to play this um, mm-hmm. as well as some of the red white decks. So yeah. there are more decks in this format that like a card like this than usual. But I still don't want it this early. I, I need to make sure I'm firmly in one of those decks before I take a card like this.
1: Oh, I had an opponent that had an active Balmor Battle Mage and was just made a bunch of stuff. They cast this, and I looked at my life total. I was at 16, and I'm like, I think I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Flowstone Kavu, Tuna Red, 2 3, Menace, and then it has uh, the weird fire breathing. It's uh, fire swallowing? Swords yeah, don't
0: I don't, don't activate this three times. <laughs> don't activate yeah. this three times. Don't activate this three times. I was you, playing you against can. somebody. You certainly can, and Arena will let you, and it's not going to ask you any did, questions. Did about someone
1: it. Did, did someone do it?
0: I I was playing against somebody who was in an aggro black red deck, and they played this on three turn four. They untapped with three mountains, and no. they they went to attack me. I looked away for a second, and when I looked back at the screen, their creature was dead. <laughs> and they <had> Three mountains <laughs> tapped, and I was like, "What just happened?"
1: <laughs> that's awesome um you didn't
0: block there are so, some yeah, scenarios <laughs> uh,
1: th- there are some corner cases where this is beneficial um i challenge the listener to pause and think about what they are okay unpause the few that came to my mind if your opponent is uh racing you and they are attacking with a big lifelinker like uh Danitha, right um if they if they attack with sure. something like that like a four four lifelink you block with this have it kill itself they don't gain a life you swing back for lethal mess up their math or if you have as a garna and you want one of your attacking creatures to die um this thing can can die while it's attacking and you have the say over that so uh sometimes sometimes it might matter or actually hold on if you have an lsl core and you want it to die for the trigger okay now i'm done
0: like yeah, sure. If you want, like, death triggers, you can kill your own <laughs> for fun, I guess. But, like, yeah. when are you putting three mana to say, kill my, like, destroy my own creature?
1: <laughs> Ooh, oh, I know. Uh, if you pay three and the opponent's at five and you can fling it before it dies. Oh <laughs> don't do that. It doesn't work. State-based actions. Uh, Google it. Next up, Argavian. It's a good card,
0: but I'm not, <laughs> I still don't want it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Argavian Phalanx, the white member of the cycle. We wound up with three of them in this pack. Uh, this one costs five in a white. It's a four, four vigilance and it costs one less for each creature you control. I play this for one <laughs> and that feels pretty good. You know?
0: Oh yeah. It's very um, commonly a two man of four, four vigilance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can cast it for one. The, these, these white decks can go wide. I
1: will say I got stuck on three lands in a game and I had two of these in my hand and I was like, Oh God, this is bad. Like I'm never going to get this thing out. Uh, I think I ended up playing both of them in the same turn like a little while later because I just top decked a bunch of like cheap creatures, the, um, the knight that makes a one, one. And all of a sudden these things cost two, one mana. So of our commons, probably still on the terror. Although I do like the phalanx and the sojourner. I I like the terror the most. Um, probably the only thing I'm looking at here, right?
0: Yeah. It's it's between one of the cost reduction cards for me. I think it's it's interesting, right? The decks that are going to play the Phalanx can cast it for two or three mana reliably. Sometimes it can go cheaper than yeah. The decks that are playing the Terror can cast it for probably three or four reliably, and then sometimes it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. And then the decks that play the Sojourner can cast it pretty reliably for like you know three. Yeah. Um. So it's like, how effective are those mana costs in for that thing in that deck? The 4-6 is like a, a great body, but it, it just sits there. And I've seen like the Territorial Marrow do virtually nothing because my opponent mm-hmm. had like a Battlefly Swarm, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and, true. Uh, it it's there. The Terror at least has Ward, which makes it difficult to deal with. And the Phalanx mm-hmm. has Vigilance, so it can do like the attacking thing. In their respective decks, I think the Phalanx probably helps the game plan of that deck more than the other mm-hmm. two do. But I still think the Terror is the better card in a Vacuum. So I guess I'd take the Terror here.
1: Honestly, we could do a whole episode just about these five cards. They're fascinating. Um, We also have to consider the time at which they often come down. So, for example, Talairn Terror is never coming down for two mana on turn two or three, right? It's usually coming down for like three mana at a point where you might have seven lands. And at that point, did it matter that much? I found the one that I'm... In, in in that case, I find that Phalanx and Sojourner actually come down ahead of schedule more often. Um, right. Like, you usually cast them for, like, three, four mana while you have five or six lands. Uh, at least for the Sojourner. Uh, the Phalanx, you can cast... I, I mean, you can cast this thing for, like, two on turn five, uh, which is a pretty powerful play.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe like that I said, is... I think the thing. Phalanx does the most... I think the... Yeah, we could totally do that. I think the Phalanx does the most for the deck when mm-hmm. it's played, but... Um, I don't know. I I think you can take any of them and and be pretty happy with it, but Mm -hmm. let's hope to be taking an uncommon or a rare or something.
1: Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what else? Sometimes, uh, like a red white deck could have both the phalanx and the hellion and not want to play one of them or like want to play one more than the other. Okay, we'll come back to this. Let's put a pin in this idea. Onto our uncommons. First up is Queen Alnal of Rudak. Green, white, white for a star star elf noble at uncommon. Her power and toughness are each equal to the number of creatures you control. And if one or more creature tokens would be created, uh, create them plus a one, one white soldier creature token instead. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's good. It does exactly what it says. If you want a creature uh, whose power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control, you got one. And then every once in a while, you'll make some tokens and you'll wind up with a few extra. And that can be that can be pretty good.
0: I There are way more ways to make tokens in this set than I gave it credit for. Mm. And not because there are a lot of sources of... Like a lot of individual sources of them, but it's really easy to get multiples of the cards that do this. The Keldon Strike Team, which sure, that's in red, but because of the whole domain thing making... Uh, a Naya deck work is really not that hard. Yeah. Um, you have captain's call. There's three of them. That gives you a fourth. Like this card is very good at it. it it's kind of win more in that way. Like yeah. it's very good at making your, the cards that are already doing your game plan thing a little bit better. Um, and then you get like a big creature out of it. Uh, I, I don't think I like taking this first pick. I think it's a first pickable card, but I don't really like it.
1: Mm-hmm. I will say my opponents usually kill it <laughs> before, yeah. before you get the chance to really see how big she can get. And that's probably smart. Next up is Micromancer. Three and a blue, 3-3. Three, three. Human wizard. Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an instant or sorcery card with mana value 1. Reveal it, put it into your hand, and shuffle. Cool card. There's a lot of one-drop spells to go get. I mean, you can go get something like a flowstone, uh, bone splinters... Urborg reclamation, uh, Vona's something, the blue one that has vortex, kicker, whatever it's yeah. called. But Rona's Rona's vortex, right? Um, and those are all good cards. Like all of those are impactful. These aren't cantrips. I mean, there's timely interference too, but um, that's probably the worst of them, right? I mean, if your opponent plays this and they go and get uh, like a flowstone infusion, you look at your board and if you have a if like a two two flyer, you're like, oh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna lose.
0: Yeah. Well, the funny thing is except the timely interference, none of those cards are actually one drops. They all have kicker. Yeah. So you really get a lot more yeah. than one mana's worth of value out of them, but Micromancer goes to grab them just the same. So yeah, there's a lot more. This card's better, way better than I originally gave it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd take it over the queen.
1: Yeah, uh, I think so. I agree. I know, I know you, you might be giving me a bit of a look because you know this pack, but uh, <laughs> next up is Cult Conscript. Black for a 2-1 Skeleton Warrior. Uh, it enters the battlefield tapped. And you can pay one of the black to return it from the graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only if a non-skeleton creature died this turn. So if it died, it can't come back from itself. It's got to see something else die. And of course, it enters tapped. Um, Haven't actually gotten to play with this one or against it too much. But I mean, if it comes down and just starts smacking your opponent, this could be good in like a a more aggressively draining black-white vector where you're trying to just you know, get your opponent dead as fast as possible. And then those individual drains from something like uh, Ellis Ilcor that they go a lot further.
0: Yeah, I've liked it. I played it in a in a deck recently, and it, it seems good. Um, you do need. It, it's weird because you like you need things to die to get it to get this back, and then have mm-hmm. the actual value come out of it. Um, and it's a two one, so it does get blocked by a lot of those like soldier tokens that are floating around. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, it's a great target itself to be sacked because you can get it back later. Um, so it yeah, it can definitely fuel those types of decks. It's also just like a pesky card. Like I. I've used it to double block, get rid of like a big attacker, and then because there was something else that died in the combat, this thing could be recast right away. Also, it you can you can use that ability at instant speed, so you can you can cast it on your opponent's turn.
1: Yeah, a uh, lot of little utility with this guy. Blue black kind of has a self mill theme. There's the the war leech, and you could get some nice dredge value if you bin this thing and then are able to get it back without having to draw it. Finally, our rare. It's an it's a very famous card. Most magic players know about it. It's been around for a while. It's a reprint. We're talking le Shivan Reef. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm gonna open I'm gonna open Lily one of these days and it's gonna be awesome. But uh, until then we got a Shivan Reef and we're not taking it. <laughs> I no, would take the, I think I'm on the micromancer first. here. Yeah, I'm also on the micromancer. I didn't take the micromancer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I took Queen All in All. And here's the thing. Sometimes uh, sometimes you just sit down it's been a long week and you're like i want to make a bunch of tokens that's all that's the only justification i have <laughs> you just sit down and you say I've, i want to make some tokens and i've not uh, never it. thought that uh, I got lucky because Green White was open, <laughs> and like I, I got like an eighth pick, uh, Zaro janin the green, the other Green White uncommon. So like the, the vector was very well open. Uh, the correct pick here, I think, is Micromancer.
0: All right, on to our Fairy Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style of segment where Ben and I share high and a low from the past week. Uh, ben, do you want to kick us off?
1: No, All you right. go first. It's been it's been a while.
0: <laughs> so uh, this week we made it, and we meaning. Draft Chaff, the show, made it into the Lords of Limited Digest, which is a a weekly newsletter that goes out. I think it's actually not curated by the Lords of Limited, but which one? I don't know. know. But uh, we got in it and it's basically like a digest of all of the uh, just 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 a weekly newsletter of all the big draft related podcasts that are out there all in one one email. Um, so hopefully because that's like associated and affiliated with the Lords of limited, that's going to get a lot more eyes on the show, which would be great. So mm-hmm. if, if you uh, found us from the Lords of limited digest, welcome.
1: Yeah. Hop in the discord. Happy to have you. There's a little more nonsense that happens on this show than maybe some of the ones that you're used to, but, uh, we have the cred to back it up. I think we, we, we've written articles, oh, we you won might. tournaments. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, 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 uh potato tomato right uh still it's awesome to be featured in that it's cool seeing our logo up there with with the the big folks you know not that we're not the big folks we've been doing this for a while i mean people god i hope people listen to us is anyone out there listening please
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't have a cricket sound on our soundboard
1: but <laughs> let's get that one added
0: i also don't really have a tibble this week it's been a pretty like medium week overall nothing nice. too terrible um yeah
1: Break any bones recently? I don't know.
0: Definitely not that. I have been splintering bones in DMU, but I have not broken any of my own. Uh,
1: Okay, okay, okay. Well, uh, my teferi this week, I got paid for the first time in three months, so that's (laughs) cool. (laughs) Nice. Uh, It's been since like June. Uh, Teachers out there, a lot of you, I'm sure, had it set up with your HR department so that uh, it would split your paychecks across a 12-month schedule. That's normal. A lot of teachers do that. My last school, uh, they didn't, even though I asked them to, what are you going to do? It was a bad, it was, it was a place. It was a, it was a really interesting school to work at. So, um, I went basically the whole summer without really making much money. I did some work over the summer for my new school, but I just got paid for that now. And, uh, let me just say not getting paid for three months not a not a great experience wouldn't really recommend it although thankfully we do have our our, uh, our wonderful patrons that have kind of kept the show going so at least that didn't have to come out of our pockets too much so patrons shout out you're the best if anyone wants to become a patron uh i will i give you a kiss a nice kiss on the cheek i don't know <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> don't hold the, don't hold me to that
0: it's <laughs> not in the uh, not in the <laughs> that's
1: not an official <laughs> perk uh, i'll give you a really good handshake like uh uh, just a, a really solid handshake. So anyway, my, my typical this week, uh, lesson planning, back on it. School has started again. Time to plan some lessons. And thankfully, I have a lot of really great supports at my new school. Uh, a lot of teachers that have been really kind and, and eager to share their lessons and uh, open to feedback from me, which has been a, a cool experience, not something that I'm used to. But that being said, I still got to plan lessons. And uh, my weekends are going to involve less magic playing and more lesson less planning, not zero magic playing. Um, I have my eyes set on a local modern tournament, actually. But you, you might see me bearded, those that are listening, that, that go there. I don't know. We'll see if I can make it this week.
0: Awesome. Well, on to our listener question of the week. Our listener question comes from Ratafia this this week. And the question is, what sort of pauper style of Prince versus pauper axis decks do you think exist in the format? With the caveat that wingman, given like wing Mantle Chaplin's reputation, we're not including walls in the pauper category this that was that was a caveat by the by ratafia so Mm -hmm. what are pauper style decks in this format Hmm. i kind of think all of them
1: a good number of them at least i would say that these vectors don't require rares to go over the top with um and i almost don't even think they're super supplemented by the rares sometimes the rares um They could be on color for you. You could open an on color rare, but it just doesn't work for your deck. And that makes you look at your pack and actually take not just the on color rare and put it in your deck and then it happens to work out well. It makes you think, okay, what actually is going to work with my deck from this pack? So I think this, the set is teaching players lessons without us even really knowing it. Um, I mean, a bunch of us have opened up the Lords that don't really do anything. The goblin one, the elf one, which I've played. It's better than it looks. Um, But sometimes you're in a green deck and you just you open that you don't want it and you look at the rest of the pack and you say, okay, I have to take a common out of this pack. Like the uncommons are on my colors. What actually fits my vector? And that's a question that we should be asking ourselves anyway. So um, I, I would say this is definitely a pauper set. I think the most impactful cards are commons.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that the decks that like are bolstered by their rares are not so. And I mean, this is kind of getting into like pauper versus prince territory for the whole format but like the rares just aren't that impactful they can win you games don't get me wrong i mean the green defiler is absolutely stupid uh yeah. some of the mythics in this set are ridiculous i recently played against a deck one deck that had a soul of wind grace liliana two of the Jora codex things four of the two mana two three or two mana x3 uncommons like there are some pretty ridiculous mythics and rares in this set but mm-hmm. Um, they are kind of just icing on what is already a very delicious cake if you build your decks right. And I think I think synergy matters a lot more in this format than just jamming a bunch of good cards together.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the stronger cards in this format have been costed really well. So, for example, the Defiler Cycle. They're all double white-pipped, or, or they're double-pipped, right? Um, a lot of the Uncommon Legends. If you're playing a like a Jeskai deck, you might find that you can't take... Um like was it Kennerood, something Kennerood? you might take that you might find that like based on the way your mana breaks down in your deck currently uh, or you're like a blue white deck and even that like but maybe you lean towards one direction and not the other. you could be already in a blue white deck splashing red but then open the red red white pipped one and then you can't play it, even though in a normal format if it was just like a usually costed uh like signpost uncommon you probably would have just taken it jammed it in your deck and then you know won some games because it tends to be a better card so that kind of natural barrier thanks to the fixing and the uh, the mana costs of these cards i think that actually helps solve some of these like princy problems I've wound up with a few drafts where I just have like a random rare or two in my sideboard because like I took it and then ended up not being deep enough into that color to play it. So for example, I, I had a, uh, I had like a five color domain deck and I think pack three, I pick one, um, the blue defiler, the Sphinx, but I ended up not being able to play it because I just didn't think my deck could reliably double pip on, on, uh, before turn like five or six, uh, for blue. So I just I just didn't play it, and in like uh, in like kaldheim or something, the rares I don't think were casted or costed that way. I think they were mostly costed where you could just take whatever you opened, jam it in your deck. Like what was the the Necromancer? It was like three in a black, right? It was like built for splashing in those stupid snow decks. Um, so I, I think whether this was intentional or not, the mana value of these cards has led this to be a more uh, strictly popper set than we're used to.
0: Yeah, and I mean to to more accurately or more specifically answer the question, I guess, I would really argue that all the decks are proper decks. I don't know that there are any decks that require you like to get a a rare or even an uncommon to make the deck work. I think they just kind of do. And yeah, they might be made a little bit better with, with some rares, but what deck isn't? With, I guess, the exception of the Winged Mantle Chaplains to a degree, I still think people are saying they're better than they actually are. I think they're really good, but I don't, I don't think it's so bad as as people say.
1: This is actually a perfect transition into our main topic today, which is the rare roundup. This is a newer segment that we've been doing, uh, where we we found that we don't actually get to talk about our favorite rares that often. We have such a big focus on the chaff of the set as is our brand. But, um, every once in a while we just like to talk about what rares are working out for us and actually update some of our, um, some of our thoughts on ones that maybe aren't working out as well. So it's funny that this is more of a pauper set yeah there are strong cards but i also think they're pretty well balanced among balanced colors so for example in midnight hunt tovalar busted card really really strong individually but red green was nowhere close to be good enough to justify playing it i mean sometimes you would, you'd open a tovalar uh and then have just like an unplayable deck around it when you didn't draft it or when you didn't uh, like have it in your opening hand but i think everything here has a solid balance but the rares are often for very narrow vectors. Uh, so we've kind of had to adjust our, our mentalities on, on some of them.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's kind of interesting to see a set for once where like um, the rares are almost an afterthought in terms of the draft. Like mm-hmm. like you mentioned a little bit earlier, I think a lot of times you end up looking at a pack and you're like, well, I'm just going to take this common because, yeah, the, the rare might be like fun or flashy or whatever, and, and we still do that. That's one of Ben and I's favorite things to do is just take a rare because we haven't played it yet. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but in terms of like building good decks and the proper picks, like the commons are just good. And I think that actually makes the rares more speculatable, if that's a word where like <laughs> you can speculate on rares a little bit better because you know, you're going to get the commons you need to make your deck good, whether you play that rare or not.
1: Yeah. I guess the side effect of this is that the rares, they also feel a little bit more beatable <laughs> than usual. Um, yes. Like there, there's yeah, this no, this is not coma. war of the spark. Yeah there's nothing that just feels like it hits the battlefield and the game ends um honestly the closest thing to that is like joda's codex
0: <laughs> yeah i mean the um the def- the green defiler and and the first like set of cards we're gonna talk about are the defiler so i'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit but the green mm-hmm. defiler definitely feels like this needs to die in the next turn or two or i'm, I'm just not i'm gonna get snowballed but that's yeah. not really the defiler itself winning the game for you it's like if your opponent doesn't have creatures to cast after the Defiler's on the board, it's just yeah. a four mana. It,
1: it dies to Destroy Evil, you know. It dies to Doom yeah. Blade, you know. The, the classic adage. Yes. Um, that being said, there are some pretty strong rares in the set still. Uh, Archangel of Wrath is currently top on the games played win rate on the seventeen lands leaderboard for cards. That's the Siege Rhino Angel, the Mardu Kicker Angel, whatever you want to call it. But it's pushing a nice sixty-one point five win percentage. Right behind it is Wingmantle Chaplin at 60.9, although this is heavily conflated by the fact that people are tutoring for it uh, with Shieldball Sentinels. Sirkovitz has a fantastic thread on this. We mentioned it a few weeks ago. Go read the thread on his Twitter. After that is Shouldered the Apocalypse, sitting at a nice 60.7 games played win rate. Afterwards, Guardian of New Banalia... The the white two drop. We're going to talk about that one in a little bit because I, I had a really good experience with this one. This one is just fantastic. Uh, after that, a card that I haven't played as uh, at all. Squee dubious monarch. It's a, it's like a rabble mash like, that you can escape, right? Like it's got to be busted. That one's sitting at sixty point one, and uh, all the way down in I guess fifth slash sixth place if we count the wing mantle. Sphinx of clear skies at sixty percent even. So a good spread across colors. We'll say that.
0: Yeah. What are we missing? Green, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. but we've got something from every color here,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, a handful of uh, of rares up in the top best cards. Not mythics, you know. Sometimes this is just populated by. I mean, think about Streets of New Capenna, right? Just the Bant mythics were just the best three cards in the set.
0: Yeah. So let let it, let's talk about the defilers mm-hmm. because there's a cycle of these rares that all are called defiler of something, and they're all some of that mana value plus two pips of the color that they are. So defiler of faiths, three white white. The Defiler of Instinct is two red red. They all have uh, double pips of their color. They're all pretty good, and all of them have a clause on them that are really frustrating to me because <laughs> they literally keyworded it in this set and then they didn't do it, um, <laughs> yeah. which is the making, you know, you can pay life to to cast spells of a certain color without paying the color. Um, that said, so all of these are really good. They're all very well-costed for their stat lines. You know, the Defiler of Faith is a, th- a five mana five five vigilance, If you just got rid of all the other texts, that's still fine. Um, But then they all also have, whenever you cast a permanent of their color, do something. And the effect is different for all of them. The white one makes a bunch of tokens. The red one pings things. The green one puts counters on things. Like, they all do something very relevant. They're costed very well. They're all just really good cards. But again, they don't synergize overwhelmingly well with anything. So I guess the white one kind of takes the cake here. It it makes tokens. So if you're in a tokens deck, it's going to be really good. Mm. The other one's don't tend to be all that super synergistic with uh with with anything in particular. So they they're good rares and they slot into the decks that have that color, but they're not overwhelming, which I mm-hmm. think is awesome.
1: Yeah, they're they're narrow, right? Um they're narrow to the decks that can cast them. So like the filer of faith, you can't really just shove this into any domain deck, right? Um and yeah. like I said, I, I had the blue one. I couldn't find a way to make it fit because there's so many flavors of domain. Um it, it almost depends on the exact like case of your domain deck and the way you drafted it, the lands that you picked up, uh, the duels you have and the ways you have of fixing. So I will note that the white one I've had the best play experiences with. The green one, I think, is, you know, equally impactful. Um, But I like how well this one pairs with Argivian Phalanx. So you you can just chain Phalanxes with the Defiler. I had a draft where I had like three of them and I had two in hand with a Defiler on board. You cast the first one, that's two more creatures, you know. Uh, Then if the second one doesn't cost like one mana by then, I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) You're playing a white deck. So, I mean, this one, I think, like you mentioned, this one does fit very well into the going wide vector, which is one of my favorite things to do in this format so far. But this is just mediocre in in a domain deck. Plus the fact that it triggers off of white permanent spells. If you splash this in a, in a domain deck, you're most likely just getting a five mana, five, five vigilance that was hard to cast.
0: Yeah, and that's that's something I was going to mention as well. I think it's it's interesting the way they designed these because they're like two axes on which you kind of can't splash these, right? They're double pipped yeah. to start with, so they're hard to splash just from a mana perspective. But then their their effects, to make them more than just basically a vanilla... 4-4 four, four for 4, 5-5 five, five for 5, or whatever. They need permanence, not just spells, but permanence of their color. So they are very difficult to splash and have be effective in a given deck. That said, they're pretty solid in any deck that's just going to be maining whatever color they uh, they happen.
1: What a beautifully balanced design for Limited.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: The red one I've enjoyed playing too. That's the Defiler of Instinct. Uh, two red-red 4 four first first strike. Uh, and it's whenever you cast a red permanent spell, it deals one damage to any target. So, you know, you're not going to just like shot them out of the game right away. <laughs> right. Um, and you have to think a little bit about whether you're going to try to ping down their creatures. Uh, I mean, if you have I mean, how many red permanents do you have in your hand by the time you cast this on turn four? Right. Like most of them, there's some decent red two drops and three drops. You might have played them already. This is usually just going to ping down their X ones, which there are there's a good amount of in this format. Um but it's, it's often just going to go face, in which case it's not an oppressive rare, but it's narrow enough that like a red green deck is just going to take this and be happy with it.
0: Yeah. And this is one where like a four mana four four first strike is just playable in any red deck. It doesn't yeah. really matter if you have other red permanents. So you kind of don't have the double axis for um for splashing purposes, but it's still double pipped card. So splashing isn't the easiest thing to do. Um, Yeah. Again, like you said, very well costed, very well balanced rares for a whole cycle, which It's really nice to see the entire cycle be pretty decent. I mean, there are still tiers here. I would say the black one's probably the worst of the bunch, but Mm. they're all pretty good. So Mm. next up here, I wanted to talk about the World Spell. The World Spell is a a five... It's a seven-mana mythic, five green-green for a saga. The first two chapters say, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal a non-saga permanent from among them, put it into your hand, and then put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. And then the third chapter is put up to two non-saga permanent cards from your hand onto the battlefield. So they made this non saga. So you can't loop the world spell together in constructed. Mm. But, um, so you just like for free, but I mean, seven mana is a lot, but in in a format that's slow like this, hitting seven mana is pretty much a given. I don't think I've played a game yet where I've not hit seven. Mana. Yeah. And in a domain deck, that's going to be ramping up anyway, playing this prior to turn seven is pretty easy to do. And then you just go get sure. You're looking at the top seven cards, I guess, but in your top seven, when are you not going to hit a permanent, you'd like to play. Mm-hmm. And then you just cheat them both into play. For free, um, this is just kind of disgusting.
1: I don't know, man. I'm not convinced. I think I'd no? want to play this. At, so it's turn seven. How many cards are in your hand? But is this it this and
0: like how often are how often are decks that play this card actually going to play it on seven?
1: Uh, okay, I, I guess the play pattern that I'd be concerned about is if this is your top end because I don't actually think this sure. is a very good top end. I mean, you play this. Uh, let's say you play chapter one, right? So you you look at the top seven. Uh, You're tapped out for this turn, presumably. You go get like a, I don't know, what is it? Elfheim Worm? Sure, you go get an Elfheim Worm. Uh, Next turn, you untap, you draw a card, you top deck like a land or something. Are you just supposed to not play your Elfheim Worm so that you can like free cast it with with the world spell on chapter three? I think you just play whatever it was you got last turn. This, This is like a seven mana divination.
0: I guess that's true. You do eventually get to cast something for free though, whether it's the thing you tutored up or not. Like you're likely going to have something in your hand And you get to cast it for free, which, yeah, I guess if it's late in the game, if you did play this on seven or even later and you're down to like one card, you're just top decking every turn, then sure, Mm -hmm. it probably doesn't matter because you already have a million lands anyway. Um, So, yeah, I think that's that's pretty terrible, to be honest, but and it is also as read ahead so you can still just mm. i mean if you're going to if you're going to read ahead to the third chapter then you're paying 7 mana to put two things on the board so they better be expensive things to begin with but um you can kind of skip a turn or whatever if you only want to fetch one card i just have seen the decks that i've seen play this don't play it on 7 they play it on like 4 or 5 and then it's just like stupid
1: yeah i if you're ramping into this it's definitely good i, I guess the way to to best make use of this card is to make sure you're actually getting some kind of value out of putting stuff into the battlefield. So you want cards that actually care about that. I guess the seven, seven trample, the ETB gain five, like that's probably the thing you want to have two of, like you want to put two of those into play with this. That's probably the best thing you can do in the format. Right. Um, cause also like this, just putting stuff into play, I mean, it's some of the same problems as like the Shieldred's reanimation spell. Um, a lot of stuff in this format has kicker. So True. You, you would tend to want to cast things with kicker. I mean, it, you can't play like the Hydromancer kicked with this, which is another like big mana, seven mana spell that you want to be doing in like the the big domain decks. Um, I guess a way to to maximize this and make sure that you're getting a good like mana discount out of chapter three is if you have a lot of card draw. And if you're, if you have like um, a Phyrexian, um, was it surveillance? I forget. It's actually an espionage. That's it, right? Um, if you have like an espionage and maybe you have like one or two copies of Joda's Codex and you are in like a late game deck like this and it does have ramp, I don't know. I think I want to try this one out before I get too judgy about it. It does draw you two good cards and that it does give you a mana advantage. I'm just not convinced that by that point in the game, you're not just casting stuff anyway. I mean, I don't know. I'll see.
0: No, totally fair. You've, you've talked me down on it for sure. I... Did happen to most recently see this played against me in a deck that had two Jodas Codexes and Domain 5 by turn 5. So yeah. uh, it was admittedly much, much better. That was probably like the best deck it could have been put in. So maybe, yeah, maybe I'm a little uh, a little salty about how, how well it was used against <laughs> me. But uh, you've talked me down on it a little bit. Yeah, it does seem like the, the, the floor can be pretty low on this.
1: So let me introduce you to the worst thing to see your opponent do on turn 2. And that's Guardian of New Benalia. Uh, not worse for them, worse for you. You're going to die. Guardian of New Benalia, one of the white 2-2 two, two human soldier. Rare, it is enlist. Whenever it enlists a creature, Scry 2. And you can discard a card to give it indestructible until on the turn. Tap it. Now, tap it, of course, is not part of the activation cost. So, you know, if... if uh, I don't know. You can, you can just, like, do this, um, like, while blocking or something. And, and uh, it's, it's hard for attacks. your opponent to do it. Yeah, or... Um, It works out, yeah, you can do it while it's attacking, right? So there's really only a few ways to kill this. You can exile it. You can snipe it with like a tribute to Urborg. But otherwise, it's not dying. It's coming at you. It's getting in. And it easily attacks for five or six in the mid game uh blockers walls they look like a joke against this card um the scry doesn't even matter almost uh if you like bottom both and top deck a land still just hold it in your hand and discard it to the guardian Nubanalia, right like it, it it plays on its own little scry ability and not that this ever matters too much but that discard you can use that to synergize with stuff like uh phyrexian missionary Um uh, uh, or, or Burg Reclamation or Um the, the Shieldred Reanimation spell, the name of which Shieldred's Restoration. I don't know, whatever it is. Um Just usual little discard tricks uh, and, and regrowth slash uh, raised deads.
0: Yeah, I mentioned it, I think, one or two episodes ago, but this is basically Seasoned Haloblade on steroids. And it plays out that way. <laughs> and list is really good to throw on a creature that can't die. So yeah, you can just... Like Ben said, you can pump it up, make it make it a 4-2, make it a 5-2, make it a 6-2, whatever you've got, and throw it into a, comb- a red zone where otherwise it wouldn't be able to attack just because you've got a land in hand and your opponent can't do anything about it. These cards are really annoying and in aggressive decks. The only thing I will say is that they are mitigated slightly by the fact that most aggressive decks want to empty their hand. They want to dump mm-hmm. creatures on the board and then be done so you don't have anything to discard. A deck that's playing Guardian of New- New needs to kind of think about that a little bit better. And you need to have, you know, you don't want to be discarding your, your effective creatures, but none nothing in your deck's going to be more effective than this thing, realistically. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've got stuff to discard. You can make use of it to uh, keep this alive. And it also is just a deterrent, right? It's it's one of those threat of activation mm-hmm. things where it's like, I don't want to point a removal spell at this because they're just going to discard the card. And that's it. And that's something you can even see. Like, uh, we, we were talking, and, and I think it's going to come up later too, but uh, I played a de- I played against a deck with Soul of Windgraze, and soul of wind grace has like a million effects on it. All of which involve discarding cards, I think, or maybe yeah. this is the last one involves discarding a card. No, they all do. Yeah. Um, but it, they have to have, a, it has to be a land. They have to discard a land. So mm. there's a little bit of a question there of like, well, do they have a land in hand? And if I don't think they have a land, then I can go ahead and try to kill this thing. If I do think they have a land, I guess I'm not going to do it with guardian of new, but it's just any card. So as long as they've got a card in hand, you know that they can activate this. So you're just like, I'm not going to point them.
1: And just a little side note um, that is actually a beneficial interaction. You might think like, oh, well, I'm trading a card for a card, right? The problem is if you tapped out and spent your turn four paying for mana and a card, and then your opponent just discards a card, you paid four mana and they didn't. And yeah, you went one for one, um, a card from your hand versus a card from their hand. But this thing is still an onboard presence. It's attacking you and you just paid a whole turn's worth of mana and it didn't do anything. So that yeah, like- that is not good.
0: Also, think about the situation where, like, think about it like this. Would you ever pay four mana or even two mana? Like, let's say you you throw a, well, you're not going to throw a destroy evil at this, but I don't know, the auxiliary blast. Uh, Would you ever pay two mana for your opponent to discard a land? Like, probably not. That's not what you want to be doing. So, yeah, Guardian's great.
1: Speaking of really nice little enlist rares. Keldon Flame Sage, two in red, oh, I two hate three. This card, <laughs> this oh card is so sick. This is going in the cube, by the way. Um, it's got a list. Whenever it attacks, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is Keldon Flame Sage's power. You may exile an instant or sorcery with mana value X or less from among them. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. You may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. And that little phrase there—that's what's going to make it get into the cube. Because uh, those that know our cube know that blue-red free casting yeah. is. This is such a great three drop for that deck. Uh, So if this thing can attack with between three to five power, four to six ideally, um, there's a lot of good hits with this. A lot of good hits. And you don't even really need that many good hits because if you get this up to four, you're looking at the top four. You might whiff, sure. But when you hit like a lightning strike or um, like a a combat trick or something um, or... (laughs) Actually, I had this in the deck with uh, two captains calls. It was so stupid. Was just like attack with a creature, make three one ones for free.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. This is this has been every time I've seen this on the board. This has been a, like, oh, God, that needs to die because mm-hmm. there's just so much value. If it and, it and it's every time it attacks. So if it enlists one turn and you don't want to block it then it's very unlikely that the next turn you, the, the board has changed enough such that they're still attacking and you, you would actually like to block. So mm-hmm. ah, it gets so annoying so fast that, and they get so much value off of this card.
1: Thing is I would play this in a deck with zero instance or sorceries. I think it's just like a good, yeah, you just put this body. in a red
0: white deck. Exactly. Three toughness on enlisters is mm. really, really clutch. Yeah. I've noticed that like yeah. two toughness is kind of, Annoying because I can just throw any of my two drops in front of your expensive enlist creature. This is a mm-hmm. three mana, two, three.
1: <laughs> three <laughs> you know, toughness. i uh, just happy it, with it. it. It passes the gibbering barricade test, you know?
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Let's talk about Shanna Purifying Blade. This is green, white, blue for a three, three lifelink. It's a mythic for good reason. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, you may pay X. If you do draw X cards, X cannot be greater than the amount of life you gained this turn. Uh, I got just flattened by Shanna. That's the only thing I wanted to say about this card, <laughs> like, uh, it's not hard to get Shannon the pop off as long as it survives one combat, you're going to lose to it. Uh, I mean, I mean, whoever's playing it comes out so far ahead. It pairs well with combat tricks like furious bellow or take up the shield combat tricks that pretty much guarantee it to survive, um, works with other life linkers works with other life gain. Um, I, I mean, even if it just survives one combat by itself, just you just get that free three mana like draw three, you know, and you're getting life, which is what you want to do when you're drawing cards because it buys you time to cast said cards. I don't know. This is this is a really really good card.
0: Yeah, it's nuts. This is uh, I mean, it's it's basically Sphinx's Revelation on a stick.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, this is actually one that you can slot into most domain decks. Funny enough, the fact that it has no double pips, I think, makes it easier to splash for because most domain decks will have a few of each mana and they want to be able to make all five colors by turn five so they usually are able to cast this by turn five.
0: Oh yeah yeah i i've noticed with the with these duels it's like not actually very difficult to splash single pipped cards no matter how many mm-hmm. colors the card is yeah so next up is one that's just kind of dumb i think ben and i both have the same sentiment about this card like it's it's uh, shivan devastator <laughs> sh- right it's yeah. x x and a red for a zero zero dragon hydrant mythic flying haste etb with x plus one plus one counters on it it's just usually these are more expensive like it's x red red or something Mm. like xx
1: red um in the show notes i just have a note here that just says stupid and that's it um for a few reasons i think everyone listening right now just make a mental note you're gonna just you're gonna lose like 0.5 of the games you play in dmu to a shivan devastator for like x equals eight and just like chalk that up right now you're gonna lose a small fraction of dmu games to shivan devastator if you're lucky enough you will also win a small fraction of games due to shivan devastator um the thing is though i think this is even less egregious than something like dream trawler because this is beatable you can beat oh, yeah, yeah. this, this is Absolutely. sometimes like i mean sometimes i mean it doesn't have trample which is the big thing so almost always Like a 7-7 will cause them to chump block with their like one flyer, maybe their 3-2 flyer or 2-2 flyer, right? So you do wind up a card on this, um, and then they untap, use their unconditional removal on it, uh, of which it does die to a good chunk. Um, Even extinguish the light, it it actually gains them three because this has a mana value of one when it's on the board. And um, uh, like we said, stupid for a whole lot of reasons. It'll win you a bunch of games. Sometimes they'll chump it and kill it. Uh, it's swingy. It's fun. <laughs> to, I got to play it. Uh, you top deck it and you look at the board and you go, okay, I win. Um, it's it's one of the few cards that's good in literally every red deck and you can even splash it in domain.
0: Yeah. This is one that, that was like not covered by the splashing stuff like the, uh, the um, defilers, right? It, you just put mm-hmm. this in every deck that can pay red. Um that said yeah it does die to a lot of removal it's it's got flying and haste is a big deal when you can just slap a red like an 8-8 on the board and you know you're 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 dead but it doesn't feel like egregious i you know even seeing this come down against me i'm just like okay yeah they opened a mythic but i don't (laughs) feel like terrible um yeah and and if you happen to have like a destroy evil up eh, it just goes by anyway Mm -hmm. but then it's also that it's also got that flexibility of like well like could just play this on three if I wanted to and needed a three-three yeah. three flyer or yeah. I play this on four if I needed a three-three flyer. So that's um, pretty fine there. Flexible cards are always good.
1: You know, the green mythic the, the big monkey doesn't that thing have four green pips or is it three? It, uh,
0: three. Three three green pips, green three
1: green pips, pips. pips. Yeah. They they were uh, they they knew you know they knew that the green domain decks would be able to just like their mana would be super flowy, super loose. They'd be able to just play it like any green domain deck. So I don't know. I guess they thought red would be a little less prominent in the domain decks. They thought this was fine to just have pipped at one red. I don't know. Whatever. It's 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 a dragon hydra at mythic. It's going to win you the game. Everyone just get over it right now. I hope (laughs) for the sake of our listener that you are sometimes the one that opens it.
0: Yeah. So next up is Solve Grace. I've talked about this a few times. It's kind of just a dumb card, but it's a four mana five, four whenever it ETBs or attacks. Put a land card from a graveyard on from a graveyard not just your graveyard, any graveyard, hmm. onto the battlefield tapped under your control. So your opponents can steal your lands if they're in your graveyard. Um, and then it has three activated abilities for green, red, black. It's the, the gun colors. The first is green, discard a land. You gain three. The second is one in a red, discard a land. You draw a card. And then the third is two in a black, discard a land. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Tap it. So another one similar to the Guardian. Difficult to deal with if they've got three mana up and, a, and cards in hand, but... I did actually get to kill one of these with uh, with removal. They had the three mana up, but they just didn't have a land in hand, and hmm. I I took the chance. I was like, "Well, I they missed a land drop. Nice. Maybe they don't have a land in hand. Let's get rid of this thing while I can." Um, it does combo really well with Urg of Turg, <laughs> so uh, you know you're putting putting lands into the graveyard to make the Urg the the erg bigger, and then you can get them back later if you want them. Um, just, just a solid card overall. Anything that is like reliably able to dodge removal gets frustrating. And when Mm -hmm. this can also draw you cards, I do like that. They made it land cards specifically and not just any cards or, um, something like that, but, yeah, it's uh, it's been a frustrating card to play again.
1: Just a small note, you can use these abilities as like a pseudo kicker. So if you activate one of those abilities with its ETB trigger on the stack, you can get some value right away. So if you play this yeah. on turn six with six untapped lands, you can discard a land card right away and then bring that land right back. Yeah, cute. Speaking of cute, next card up, Sphinx of Clear Skies. I love this card. And this is not the kind of card that usually sticks out as the kind of card that I love. I think it's... Something about the fact that I had it in my pre-release pool. Uh, I love the art. It's just a, a beautiful blue and green color palette. It's it's it, To me, this card is emblematic of the set. This card and its art and its kind of relative simplicity feels as refreshing to me as this set does. Like for some reason, this card is going to be one of the ones that sticks in my head about DMU. And I think back on it, and I think that's the set that had the Sphinx of Clear Skies. That's the one that had Lily. The Clear Skies are ahead. Alchemy is behind us. <laughs> and uh uh it's a very good card obviously it's one of the best performing cards of the set but again i've had opponents just snipe this with like uh what is it cannon fire or um it it has ward two yeah but they can just kill it sometimes you know
0: yeah i mean it is mythic so you know it needs to be good to to Mm -hmm. warrant being a mythic and sometimes not all mythics are
1: yeah it's it's a nice little um like pet card kind of for me it it just uh hits the right notes we'll say oh next one though Uh, this is well, it's also going to be emblematic of the format, but this one this one is not as clear or nice and bright and smiley as the last one. Cruelty of Gix. I don't know exactly who Gix was, if any Vorthos folks want to fill us in in the Discord. Uh, but this guy must have been pretty cruel, <laughs> because this card is it's, it's a beater. Uh, three black, black, saga. It's got read ahead. Target opponent reels the, reveals their hand. You can choose a creature or Planeswalker card from it. They discard it. Chapter two, search your library for a card, put it in your hand, shuffle, you lose three life. Chapter three: Put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So at base minimum, this is a five mana. Just reanimate a creature from anyone's graveyard. I mean, sometimes you'll just reanimate a Maria's Outrider and win the game on the spot. Other times, you will go through all three chapters and just destroy your opponent with value. Um, it, it's it's gross.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was my uh, this was my pre-release promo and. I can can attest even in sealed it is quite good. It it is interesting to me though now that we've like gone through these cards. Um so they made Cruelty of Gix a 3 3 black black rare that mm-hmm. fetches you something and then puts something into play for free. Yeah. But they made the World spell 5 green green and a mythic for something that fetches <laughs> you things and puts something into play for free.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is a clean three for one. I think Cruelty's
0: better yeah, yeah
1: oh it definitely is is. <laughs> if they are ever in the same pack you're taking cruelty it's cheaper it's a three for one the other one is a two for one and you can miss on that i guess you can miss on them revealing their hand and having no in, uh creatures or planeswalkers. but how often is that happening and i guess they could exile the stuff from your graveyard but come on like yeah, and yeah, i, yeah, I this, guess this if your library great. is empty when chapter two goes off <laughs> you could <laughs> miss <laughs> um yeah anyway I, I did actually beat this card once um By playing very aggressively, Uh, you really have to start playing to your outs when your opponent plays this because you're not going to win the long game. You have to just knock the top of your deck, say, I hope there's a combat trick in the top two cards and start turning things sideways.
0: Yeah. Notably, like chapter two, putting the card directly in your hand and not on top of your library is a big deal
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, because
0: you have to remember too, like. If you didn't read ahead, you played this for five and used chapter one. When you're tutoring that card, you you have all your mana available. So you can play yeah. it immediately.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's what card you're not going to tutor up with it. The Raven <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, yeah. I've gone down on this card since my first impressions. I had it in one of my, in one of my earlier drafts in the format. Uh, again, one of the black for a 2-1 human wizard. It's a legend. At the beginning of each end step, if a player discarded the card this turn, create a 1-1 one, one black bird creature token with flying, and this creature can't block. And then you can pay three in a black, tap it. Each opponent discards a card to activate only as a sorcery. I think I'd like this card more if it didn't have that sorcery clause, because in the late game, you could do this on their draw step. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't want you to have that very unfun play style, so this card is just kind of mid, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't like that it's limited to... Like, this card isn't even any better in, like, Two-Headed Giant or Commander or anything. Like... It it only checks if a card had been discarded, and then you just you just get one rave one bird. So hmm. uh, I guess I don't know. I was never very high on bird. it, but it's yeah yeah. It does make it does make them each discard, but you still only get one bird. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I I I really when I first saw this card, I really just saw it as a two mana two one. But I know it's better than hmm. that. But I still don't think it's that great.
1: I guess. All right. Let's let's just put on our game designer hats and fix this card real quick. Let's do the job that that Watsy definitely doesn't know how to do. They definitely don't have professionals doing it. Uh, Really quickly, I would tweak this in my perfect dream world by making it, um, you get a 1-1 Blackbird for each card and opponent discarded this term, and then I would make them be able to block flyers. I think that would take this up to a very strong rare, Uh, but still a very, very narrow vector. I mean, what are you supposed to do then? Play Mind Rod effects? Like some decks yeah. just won't care about that, but sometimes you'll get to pop off, but that would be such a cool and unique little thing, right? If you like open the Raven man, you're like, oh boy, now I have to like pick up mine rod effects higher than normal. And, uh, I don't know that I, I like cards when you take them early in draft, it changes your pick order that makes draft in, in more, exp- uh, that makes draft a more interesting experience. That being said, I'm still going to play this occasionally. But um, you're just going to die if your opponent is playing like a tokens deck.
0: Right. No, I think this is one. Of, this is like a perfect example of one of those rares that we were talking about earlier where like if you see this in a pack and something like, I don't know, Phyrexian Espionage or something, you're just going to take the common.
1: So threats undetected is one we wanted to mention. Two in a green sorcery. Search the library up to four creature cards with different powers and reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards, shuffle the chosen cards into your library and put the rest into your hand. This is kind of like a divination... But different so sometimes green decks they do want a three mana draw two creatures my opponent had it against me it was okay but the fact that I got a ton of agency in what they got made it a good amount worse um, for example opponent they got two two drops a four drop and a five drop but they only had three untapped lands. so uh, I actually had the option to strand them with nothing to cast that turn I knew that they were empty-handed otherwise um, and I actually had removal, so I ended up giving them the two drops. They played a two drop. I just killed it, attacked for lethal anyway.
0: So, and I apologize if I'm being too anal here, but I hate this card. The <laughs> threats are completely detected. The threats are completely detected. They're, they're I get revealed, to see them. even. I get to tell you which ones you get to use. Like, come
1: on. <laughs> you even get to know which ones go back in the deck and they could draw later.
0: <laughs> like, oh they're, my they're, goodness. they're very
1: detected threats. No, you're I right. I get it. Um, it's part
0: of, it's part of like the, the gifts ungiven. It's like the uncycle. Like there's, yeah, there's a few yeah. of those cards scattered throughout magic's history, but this is just terribly named. Come on. Yeah. Um, this is another one of those
1: like just mid rares, you know, like you see this, you're in green and you go, oh boy, I opened a green rare, but actually I think I want this land over it. And and that's good. Like that's a very good thing for this draft environment. Like I, that that's, that's great because sometimes, yeah, you will want this if you're maybe a little light on spells or card advantage, or if you have some, I don't know if you have a bunch of like stronger creatures to go get a bunch of like uncommons, maybe with different powers, but otherwise, I mean, you actually have to think like, is this a rare that you want? Or should I just take some other card? Speaking of uh, low powered green rares, Leaf Crown Visionary, I've heard this one getting some hate. This is green green for the one one elf druid. Other elves you control get plus one plus one. Whenever you cast an elf spell, you can pay one green if you do draw a card. I had this in a deck with seven elves and it was sick. Like I got to draw cards, uh, I got to chain elves, you know?
0: Yeah, I think uh since we're here and we're talking about it, may as well just throw out the entire Lord cycle in this in this set. There's like a cycle of cards that give other insert creature type here plus one plus one. Mm-hmm. Uh there's the soldier one, which I think is probably the best of the bunch I in the set. Yeah. Um I think the black one's basically unplayable.
1: Same with the red and this the blue one's one, sadly.
0: Decent. Yeah, the other ones just aren't aren't very good. Um because they they support a creature type that is really not supported in the deck. The black in the set, rather, the the black one is like a cleric lord. There really aren't that many clerics in the set. Mm-hmm. There are incidentally some elves because there are elves that exist on uh Dominarian, so you get some creatures that have them. Even the goblin lord is pretty bad. There aren't very many goblins in the set. Yeah. But you can make a lot of soldier tokens. So the soldier one is pretty good.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh elves, you don't have the token making ability. But- and they're, admittedly, they're not as good, but I think the elf cards are a little bit better than the goblins and uh, and and uh, merfolk, at least. Uh, definitely better than the clerics. So exactly Llanowar's Stalker, uh, which is kind of unplayable otherwise, unless you're in like a super aggressive green, white, or green, red deck, like a two-color deck, like straight, no, no splashing, like 16 to 15 lands, just going nuts. Uh, and you'd have to have some pretty unique and specific cards for that. Um, However, if you have, like, four War Stalkers, this card goes nuts. Like, this card becomes awesome. It, they, you chain them in the late game. They play well with each other. And you'll be the only one that wants those cards. So you could expect to pick up a bunch of them. I did have a deck like this. War Stalker, I mean, if it attacks as a 3-1, that gets through a lot of stuff. And there's plenty of tricks to supplement it. Um, you do have to be pretty heavy into green for this. But don't write this one off like you do the other ones. The White Soldier one is, is I think... Actually, like a decent pick, especially if you're already in white and have like a Captain's Call or something. But this one I think is the only other one that you should really consider from the cycle.
0: So, next up is just like I, I'm scratching my head over this card. It's I don't even know how to pronounce it either Golden Argosy or Ar- Argosy, Argosy. I don't know. It's I'm gonna say mana- Argosy,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> that's because I'm
0: a monster. So, uh, oh gosh, it's a four mana, three six vehicle at rare. Whenever it attacks, exile each creature you, that crewed at this turn, return them to the battlefield tapped under their owner's control at the beginning of the next uh, end step, and it has crew one. I am I guess it's because the ETB tapped. I'm kind of surprised this isn't a mythic. Hmm. Like, it flickers things, and just because it's crew one doesn't mean you have to crew one. So, like, you could crew with, like, a, something that has, like, I'm thinking about crewing this with, like, uh, the Argyvian Phalanx, or not the Phalanx, the um, the three-mana 2-2 two, two that ETBs to make a 1-1 with list. Oh, just, like, yeah, the, the Cavalier
1: thing, or, like, um... Phyrexian Rager, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are a lot of good ETB effects in co- at common that you could use to crew this thing. Mm-hmm. And then you're getting in with a 3-6. It looks like it's supposed to have flying, kind of, but <laughs> I guess it doesn't.
1: That is clearly above the ocean. That is that is fully flying. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I don't know what the deal is there, but it works really well with the Chaplain. Uh, you just, mm-hmm. all the birds, like all the freaking birds.
1: Yeah. Um, we got to describe this combo because it's, it's really stupid. So what do what you do is if you have wing mantle chaplain and then let's say like three other defenders, um, you have like a two floriferous vine walls, uh, and I don't know, the shield sentinel that the, the or, and then like a bulwark or something too, whatever you got a whole board full of defenders, right? So crew doesn't limit you you crew with everything so and then a chaplain too of course you crew with the chaplain and you crew with all your defenders even the ones that don't have etb triggers you f- you send them all away with the go with the argosi sorry the argosi doesn't matter uh it dies in combat who cares um they all come back in so the chaplain sees that you control five defender creatures and it makes five birds on the spot then all your other defenders see that they entered the battlefield with a chaplain on the board. So you get like a bunch more. So, so however yeah, many you get, You get the best of both worlds. Yeah, you, you basically get all of the, the, the uh, double up triggers at once. Um, and then maybe if you had the vine walls, you go get more lands. And then it's just a disgusting pile of value. Um, if you ever get to get this combo off, send us some screenshots because you're probably about to win the game. And, you know, it's worth taking a screenshot of
0: speaking of screenshots by the way i mean this is the last card that we wanted to single out here we're going to go through a couple of decks that we found to be very fun and and enjoyable so far but before we do that um the i will say last week i had asked somebody to show me a screenshot of all three of the common uncommon rare o-ring effects did it happen nope nobody sent one in the discord but somebody commented on somebody else's screenshot on twitter and said that we were asking for it so I have seen a screenshot of somebody oh. with all three in hand, not even in the same deck, but all three in wow. hand, which is, which is something. So That's cool. kudos to whoever that was. I don't recall what the Twitter handle was off the top of my head, but but congrats. O-Ring Tron, uh, if you're
1: listening, we're proud of you. So we just wanted to talk about a few of the decks that we've had a good time with so far and maybe some of the rares that, that helped us get there. So first up, uh, Green White. I posted this one in on the trophy channel a little while ago this was actually the one that i first picked uh queen all in rudak just do as i say not as i do uh, you should have t- uh, rather i should have taken the, the micromancer but whatever it worked out this time this was a fun deck it was a very go wide vector um and i was flashing red now you won't see a single red casting cost but i had some red kickers so i had three captain's calls just to go super wide uh some resolute reinforcements um, and an Argyvian Cavalier, right? So I'm, I'm going wide. I had as payoffs for this three Argyvian Phalanxes. Uh, so those things cost like one. I had Zaro, Jan all and Queen all. in Uh, and then a, a few ways to kind of go, go over the top. I did a file or two. I should have mentioned that in the token making. Um, Strength of the Coalition, another thing that I guess you could get with Micromancer, uh, with Kicker. So that's the green instant. It is Kicker for two and a white. Gives a creature you control plus two, plus two. And if it was kicked, put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control. Really strong if you have like three or four tokens. And then the cherry on top of this deck, I had two cleaving Skyriders. Believe in the cleave is back, dude. Like... Ember Cleave, get out of here, man. I believe in the Skyrider Cleaver now. So I, I, I doned my opponent for seven with this thing once. like, And that was on top of all the damage they were taking from my attacking creatures. Like, Cleaving Skyrider is awesome. I love this card.
0: Yeah, it seems pretty sick. I've not actually been able to use it myself, but it does seem really good.
1: Mm-hmm. Next up, I had a domain deck that I thought went really well. Um, It just kind of had everything. It had some really solid fixing. I think I had, what, nine? Uh, Yeah, nine dual lands in this one. Uh, So I took these lands really aggressively in pack one. And that meant in pack three, I could take pretty much anything I wanted. It had a Jodas Codex. uh, It had a RAF. A, a few Artillery Blasts, Fires of Victory, I found to be really strong in these decks, Atatiova, some Phyrexian Ragers. I picked up an Anointed Peacekeeper, because why not? Like, uh, you're playing all the colors anyway, and that one's kind of splashable. Maria's Outrider, I think, is a big part of decks like this. Um, and then just the, really the ability to go over the top, um, which, you know, through, through card advantage in, in this one. I don't think I trophy with this one. I think I, I got stopped a bit short, but... Um, I, I see. The, I, I know. I posted this one in Discord. I found this to be a pretty archetypal domain deck.
0: Yeah, it looks sweet.
1: Now I got it to my own horn just a little bit with my sixteen and O <laughs> uh, practice sealed deck. Um, this was the best deck I've I've gotten my hands on in the format so far. Um, it had a Shivan Devastator. It had Guardian of Nubinalia. It had Keldon Flame Sage. It had a lightning strike, who cares? It had Tori Davenant. It had three Phyrexian Ragers that I was splashing for because I just didn't, I just didn't care. This deck was nuts. Um, It was just red white beat down. It had a couple captain's calls to go wide and Resolute Reinforcements to go wide. Oftentimes you'll play Resolute Reinforcements and your opponent just doesn't do anything on turn two and three and you're like, okay, (laughs) let's let's start getting to the races let's start turning things sideways uh you can just remove the stuff that they play and going wide it just lets you go around the stuff that they eventually play
0: so the last deck here was one of mine it's one that uh i've been pretty happy with overall it it's kind of basically a a black white deck but it's it's featuring more aggressive stuff and then i managed to pick up this was this was tough this was a tough one to deck build because i picked up two wing mantle chaplains Mm mm-hmm two shield wall sentinels but then like no other defense i had four clockwork drawbridges those are the only <laughs> other defenders in the deck and i don't oh really boy. want four of them yeah yeah so i ended up cutting that package unfortunately because it's the only time i've drafted wing mantle chaplain in the set so far mm-hmm. um and playing this really neat little aggressive sort of black white deck splashing red for defiler of instinct and the keldon strike teams and then the top end is basically like a Sengir connoisseur and it just gets the, the play patterns I've noticed to be the most effective and would have won me the most games have been make as many creatures on the board as I possibly can get in like chip damage in the beginning of the game, like turns one, two, three. And uh, well, I guess you're not getting damage in on turn one, but you, you get in as much damage early on as you can. Once the board is like gummed up because eventually your opponents play things that you can't can't attack around. Use cards like Destroy Evil, which I'm running two of, Cut Down, and uh, the Auxiliary Blast to get rid of anything that has too high toughness. And then you just Heroes Charge, swinging with everything to mm-hmm. get in the win with trample damage. And it's been very effective so far. I've been, been very, very pleased with the way this works. I almost never want to play Keldon Strike Team on three, though. Like, I don't think that card's playable on three. You have to kick it, in, in, at least for this deck. For it to be um, worth playing, you kick it.
1: Yeah, I'll admit, this deck stumped me when I first saw it. I mean, you sent the screenshot, and I I thought the best way to, to play this would have been the defender route. And I had a good experience with the Wing Mantle Chaplain and, and chaining shield wall sentinels. But, um, I mean, this is vector theory, right? Like, you identified that the go-wide vector was present within these cards. I didn't see that at first glance. Um and you identify that you have all these like nice little removal spells and this ability to just overrun them in the end, you're sticking to the vector. It works. You're winning games with it because it's, it's a tight vector. It doesn't necessarily look like a tight deck to the naked eye, but the vector is tight. And this format, you have time to actually carry out a, a vector that might take a little more time like this one.
0: And talking about the time that it takes, I've, I, I'm running two of the, uh, the vanguards in white, the two in a white, three, two with four in a white, uh creatures you control get plus one plus one. Yeah. Um I have had multiple games end with me going pump for the one one with the five mana kick heroes charge. So wow. I'm getting a plus three plus plus three plus two and trample to my whole board. And like I've won two or three games with that play. So yeah. Hmm. You even though it's an aggressive go-wide deck, you're still getting to the late game, which is something to be said for the format to the fact that it can support what I would call an aggressive deck, which I guess actually isn't that aggressive if you're waiting until you've got 10 mana to finish the game. But uh, it's it's an interesting take on what is typically an, an aggro archetype. Mm-hmm. Well, that does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Check out the Discord if you're not already in there. Again, the link to that's in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. You can always find us on Twitter at draftchaffpod as well. And uh, we'll catch you next week.
1: Okay, (laughs) I said we were going to come back to this robo rosewater, which has just quickly become one of my favorite magic Twitter accounts in the uh, in, I guess, the magic Twitter verse, which we we dabble in sometimes. Um, For those that haven't seen this, they just post these like AI generated cards with often AI generated art. And while I don't want these to replace actual magic cards anywhere near in the future, it is pretty funny (laughs) what uh, what tech has come up with. And just being able to evaluate them with actual magic skills is, is just, it's just really, really funny. So I'm going to read a few of my favorites from the past few weeks off. Um, I don't think, Zach, I don't think you've seen many of these. Uh, I'm going to start with one that you, you, I did mention to you, something similar to it before the show. So just again, these have all been supposedly AI generated. And they all have good art too, like AI generated art. Um, just go check out the, the, the Twitter page to see that. So first up is Predatory Scout. This is red, white. For a 3-2 Kithkin Cleric. When Predatory Scout enters the battlefield, each player draws seven cards.
0: <laughs> two mana, 3-2 ETB, draw your hand. That's you cool. already know what also I'm Also sounds thinking. like the perfect card for you.
1: I love this card. This is an A+. plus. This is so good. Okay,
0: <laughs> um, i funny mean, enough, you're getting a little ahead of yourself here, but...
1: I- I think it actually gets a little bit worse the more cards you draw as part of this, because then you're you're giving your opponent a lot of card selection, and that can sometimes I mean it might draw them into their wrath or something. Like I don't know. But then again, if you top take this after dumping your hand, boom, you're back in it. Next up, Sigil of Aro. This is too generic. It's an artifact. <laughs> Exile Sigil of Aro from your hand. Destroy target permanent. No other text
0: wow <laughs> wow
1: yeah so to be clear you can cast this for two it just doesn't do anything <laughs> no, it just sits on the card. yeah um that's like uh that
0: that's that's like that's a pow- that's a piece of power right if that was an actual card that'd be a piece of power
1: oh definitely v- vintage legacy staple you know um
0: zero mana destroy anything yeah
1: yeah, just goodbye to your to your lands, you know? I, I mean, this is an instant four of in, in all eternal formats. Next up, Wake of Manation. And yeah, the names are sometimes AI generated too, so they don't always make perfect sense. Uh, my favorites are the ones that, that the cards themselves just, they just read ridiculous, but we're getting there. I tried to pick out some ones that were at least a little more normal. Wake of Manation. This is a land creature subtype rat. It is a zero two. <laughs> So, we're dealing with like a um, like a dryad arbor type thing here. It has morph for a blue. And it says, when Wake of Manation enters the battlefield. So, to be clear, unmorphing this does not trigger this ability. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may pay white, white, white. If you do, create a token that's a copy of target creature. It's still
0: a land. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> what if it wasn't like you could i to- <laughs> don't know
1: <laughs> so so again this is a land this is a land creature it's a it's a zero two rat land creature um what was it it's a land it is none oh so wow, like y- yeah. you you play this for turn it etbs you play you, you pay white 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 and then you create a token that's a copy of target creature but it, it also it, doesn't but, tap for
0: mana um <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, Dryad of the Grove has subtype forest, right? This does not actually have a subtype. <laughs> this triggers um no, I mean it's a th- land, but it it, it doesn't This triggers well. This triggers your Kazandu Nectar Pot. That's what it does. <laughs> it, <laughs> like uh it triggers your land ETB effect It does not do anything else. Oh, um, that's a good one. So I mean it's it's a creature it takes up your land play for the turn, so it's kind of like a, like a Maze of Ith type thing. And when it enters the battlefield, you can pay white, white, white to copy a creature. I think this
0: is fine. But the creature you copied is still a land, whether it was <laughs> or it was. It
1: still okay, okay. Is. Let's go a little more normal. This is Slayer of the Hold Catrap. This is a Legendary Angel. It costs five and a blue a pretty sick art, too. If you look this one Have we up, we
0: ever had a blue angel. I don't think so.
1: Mono blue angel, I don't think so. There's a there's some white blue ones, obviously. Yeah, Bruna, yeah sure. iridescent angel. Um, but anyways, this is a six mana, so five and a blue, six mana, three three double strike. Kind of okay from right from, from at first, right? It's a legend. Slayer of the Hold could trap, can't block. Slayer attacks each combat if able. Whenever a player casts a non creature spell, put a one one counter on it. Kind of wow. good.
0: That sounds really good. Yeah, <laughs> like actually, kind of normal. You know, it's weird from a color perspective. A double strike on a blue card is weird, and
1: yeah. But, but like, besides so it that, it's fine.
0: I mean, making it attack every combat really isn't the end of the world if it can't block. You're probably doing that anyway.
1: Yeah, that's true. So I guess it can't even block the turn it comes in, and then it is double strike, and then whenever someone casts a non-creature spell, it's getting a counter.
0: Yeah, I that mean, I guess big, quick.
1: This actually pairs, this would go really well in one of those like annoying blue flyer decks where they play a lot of um of like shore up like effects. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking like it, this goes really well. if I mean, whenever your opponent casts a non-creature spell, they're going to point a doom blade at this right away. And then you shore up, so it gets two counters, and then it's a 5-5 five, five double strike flying attacks each combat if able. Pretty good. Pretty good, right?
0: I also could see people getting blown out where they like use a minus 3, minus 3 effect, but because they oh, cast that, it yeah. gets a counter.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. It's got the, uh, the Tarmogoyf bolt problem. All right. Two more. Uh, this is a Planeswalker. This one got a lot of discourse online. This is called Millish Knight. It has, it has some beautiful, beautiful art. It almost looks like, um, like one of the trees that, that Ren, uh, tends to sit in the, mm. the dryad. Um, five white, white. So this is a seven mana Planeswalker. Uh, it comes in with five loyalty. It is a Legendary Planeswalker subtyped Giant Wizard, which I would assume <laughs> is its name.
0: Yeah, it has to be. That's how, the, that's how Planeswalkers work.
1: I don't know. That part doesn't really matter. It got most of the stuff right. Okay, so this is four abilities. Again, five starting loyalty for seven mana. It's plus one. Discard a card, then draw a card. Okay. Normal enough, right? It's minus two. Draw a card. Wow. Interesting. Okay. It has another minus two. Search your library for a black card with mana value equal to one templated as like the number plus 1 templated as the word one <laughs> 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 then shuffle and put that card on top if you do each opponent loses one life and you gain one life so let's just unpack that for a for a minute <laughs> uh i think it said i think what it functionally says here is search your library for a black card with mana value 2 shuffle put it on top if you do your opponent loses a life and you gain a life but there's that, no that way was a minus two. in there
0: you have to do it but then if you do i guess if you fail to find okay sure uh
1: and then it has a minus six you're a you get an emblem with your opponents can't play lands
0: <laughs> but okay hold so, on. so I mean, okay
1: yeah yeah so you're playing this on turn seven so what does that really do uh i have a theory bounce. i think the Let's ai yeah i think the ai i think it was thinking about pox i think this is a yeah. smallpox synergy card because you can you can use the minus two to go get smallpox uh and then the drain that you get from the minus two kind of goes along with the smallpox effects of like chipping in having them sack stuff kind of like a braids effect where like what they this costs five white white
0: <laughs> no okay so, so you just play armageddon
1: yeah yeah they can't play lands um yeah yeah and then uh, and if then you, have you have play pox and then you slowly pox them out of the game i guess if they have anything left on their board uh and it has like, the rummaging effect as its uptick to to go and guess that and you can just take it down to draw a card i think this is for a pox commander deck um okay one more i save the best for last this is called cavalry frog now funny enough uh it's yeah. kind of hard to see but the art appears to show a bunch of like soldiers riding on frogs in a fog uh, this costs okay. four red red red. Seven mana enchantment Cavalry Frog. Ready? It is flash. Oh this spell can't be countered. Permanence enter the battlefield as a copy of Cavalry Frog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? That's it. Playable? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. In no, other words. That goes in my tongue. Yeah, it, it goes in your stupid chaos deck.
0: instant include in my chaos deck. 100% seven mana auto include in my chaos
1: Yeah, deck. seven mana, flash, can't be countered, permanents become a copy of Cavalry Frog. So then everything it. becomes this. It, it kind of has, oh God, what's that card? Um, Essence of the Wilds, what? is it? Um, mm-hmm. That makes every creature enter the battlefield as a copy of Essence of the Wilds?
0: Uh, it's not essence of the wilds, but it's it's something like that, yeah. And then there's also permeating moss that kind of does that. Essence of the wild, singular.
1: Essence of the yeah. wild. I was close. Yeah. Um. Except that at least gives you what is like like a five five or something or a three three. It's a six six for six. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That gives you like a big six six or something. It's a symmetrical effect, but you know the board is going to keep growing. Everything is going to end the battlefield as a seven mana value enchantment with no other abilities. <laughs> so like lands, yep. uh, other enchantments, creatures. Yeah. Laneswalkers, what? Well, that's the other. Yeah, thing.
0: that thing is permanence. Cavalry Frog is permanence. Essence of the Wild is just creatures. So yeah. at least like the rest of the game stays relatively normal. Yeah. Also, I kind of love that Cavalry Frog is in and of itself named as a creature that is already an <laughs> that does the thing it does.
1: Yeah. The, the art is actually perfect meta. for it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, the, The art has, like I said, a bunch of soldiers riding these weird frog beasts in this ethereal, misty haze. It's just it's the complete package.